Good evening and welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by the Freedom's Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution. We understand how different solutions can greatly increase an individual's chance of survival. We hope to illuminate some of the recovery process by sharing as many human stories as we can. Why, you might ask, to show that we can and do build stable lives from a former state of chaos, desperation, and hopelessness. Our stories become our strength. Please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other entity. So regardless of how crappy or wonderful our opinions might be to you, they still remain opinions, nothing more. You might hear swearing adult themes and situations, as well as the tragedies humans face and walk through every day. It is not suitable for children unless they are accompanied by a parent or guardian or have the explicit permission of those individuals. Tonight's guest is EJ. EJ is going to tell us his story of recovery because we get, you know what, I can't even imagine. So I wanted to talk to you on here for a while. Because I think your story is what I've heard of it is pretty incredible. But then your wife came in and she, I'm sorry, she sold you, man. Yeah, she sold you. She said, this would be the best story you've ever heard, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure she used those words. Right, maybe she didn't use those exact words. Um, but obviously, she's your biggest fan, man. And she's an incredible human, right? Yeah, so, she's amazing for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. So you take it away, man. Tell us whatever you want. Tell us your story. Okay, uh, yeah, I've been humming and hawing. Where do I go? Where do I go? You know, and I guess I'll start right from the beginning, I guess, you know, because when I think about it, when I look back as a as a child, that's when I, I had, that's what, that's where all these feelings started that, that really came into my my adolescent life, really. Mm-hmm. So um, just being a young kid, uh, my mom was single, single mom. My dad was in and out of our lives. We moved a lot, so I'd, I couldn't even tell you how many times we've moved from apartment to apartment, midnight moves to woman shelter to woman shelter, uh, just me and my little sister and my mom, you know, and uh, and then dad would come coming in the picture every once in a while, you know, just show up and as a boy, it's my dad, I knew who he was and he's my hero, so I, I never understood why we would always leave. And, but I, I just, so there was always, that, I guess that, that pain as a kid, just that all of a sudden he's there one day, the next, next day he's not, mm-hmm. you know, but then I can remember the excitement of seeing him just randomly too. Just like one day I come home and he's sitting there, like mm-hmm. nothing happened, you know, yeah. but, but as a boy, it was just happiness to see him. Right. Yeah. So, um, so there was that kind of, that kind of a start that, that was basically the pattern of the beginning. Um, I don't think I we really started uh, and got settled down until I was about fifteen or sixteen years old. And my mom, she had her own uh, issues with alcoholism. In mm-hmm. fact, she had quite a bit of time in she she had uh, she had she her recovery began a year before I was born. Okay, so that was all new for her too. And I mean, by the time we were. 15, 16, my mom had got her nursing. So my mom was like, my mom's my hero, to be honest. She's, she's, you know, single mom, welfare, washed dishes, you know what I mean? Worked hard and went to school. And when she got her nursing and worked at this job, she always kept the same job, even though we'd move. And she bought this house and it was just my mom's proudest moment. You know, it wasn't yeah. the biggest house. It was just this little two bedroom house on the corner. And then that's where I stayed from about 15 to 17 and that's when my the majority of my addiction kicked into i had uh i lived in this little neighborhood called we called it it was lower fairview we called it lower harlem and red deer (laughs) red deer has a harlem yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) lower and upper but we were (laughs) (laughs) so we were uh yeah so that was the neighborhood and it wasn't the best neighborhood but uh I think that was uh, when I started experimenting a lot in uh, alcohol, especially. I think I had already been smoking weed for a few years by then. 
And actually to bring it, let's go back a minute to the first time I smoked weed. I was about 12 or 13 and I was with my little sister and uh, a cousin or something like that. And I remember being in a field and I remember smoking a joint for my first time. And I remember laughing and getting the giggles. And I remember my thought at that time. It was because you hear drugs are bad your whole life. Mm -hmm. Drugs are bad for you. You see the commercials. The eggs, you know, on oh, the commercials. Your brain on drugs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it's frying egg, right? Yeah. And so, you know, just all these things about how drugs are bad. And and the first time I smoked weed, I just remembered how good I felt. And then yeah. the next thing that followed was, how could this be bad? Yeah. I just didn't. It didn't make sense to me. And so, and then there was the weed smoking for all that time, and then the alcohol. And the alcohol for me was, I'd say. It was it was the, the amazing. I felt everything I could feel. Like I felt powerful, like good looking, you know, just anything positive that you could feel. I felt, you know, and and then that became at that age, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. The the thing became uh, an everyday thing. That's what I would strive to get that for that day, you know. And at that time, I had been kicked out of school. So I wasn't, I wasn't uh, in school and I was kind of, I wasn't even really living at home. My mom was always there for, for me to come in and kind of go, but I was mainly be staying wherever um, until I was 17 years old and we had some beef with some other kids in the neighborhood. And uh, me and some friends, we ended up throwing a Molotov cocktail into someone else's house. And that's intense for a kid. It it sure was. And and to be honest, at that time, it didn't even, I didn't really see how the big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, looking back, obviously, that's yeah. a pretty big deal. Yeah. You know, so it was serious. We got, I think I got charged for attempted murder and arson at 17. Um, and I got sent to juvie. And that's where I stayed until uh, I got sentenced to ARC here in Calgary. Oh, okay. And so after that, I went to ARC, finished the program. I'd have to say it was, uh, it was, it was a good program for myself. Like, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing I learned there was I learned, I learned a different way of life and not even just the, the way with alcohol. Like, I mean, from the norm of what I knew was growing up, because mm -hmm. we we're pretty ghetto, <laughs> like <laughs> a lot of the shit that I thought was normal, it wasn't normal, mm -hmm. you know? And so the, the one of the formats of ARC was I'd go stay with other families. And oh, yeah, okay. there's a lot of just wealthier families, not that like that matters or not, but I, I was, I just got to see a whole other era of parents and a house and just how it, it would look like. And uh, so it was, it was, it was good for me to see that. And after I graduated the program, I decided to stay in Calgary. And so I stayed here for uh, about a year with one of the host home families that I went through with the program and then I met a, a woman and so it was in Red Deer and I, at, at that point I was volunteering at a, uh, a, a youth program that I used to cause shit at when I was a kid. Yeah. So I would drive into Red Deer on the weekends and give back mm -hmm. and because that's what you know I was taught to give back and met a girl there moved in with her right away so it I ended up marrying this woman with three kids. And I'd say throughout that time period, that was a good like, uh, I was with her for 12 years and drinking at, at that throughout that time, basically. I'd have little spurts of recovery and stuff, but I think alcohol became a very, I don't know, it's hard, like... I didn't see myself as an alcoholic, partly because A, I didn't want to be because my mom was an alcoholic, my dad was an alcoholic, and I just refused to be an alcoholic. And I was a functioning alcoholic mm -hmm. at this time since I've like everything I, I seen as normal. And then I, I actually became very successful, I find. Like in my early 20s, I had a concrete company. I had multiple houses, just everything that, you know, just a ghetto kid would dream about. You know, it was mm. it was just such an ama such an amazing life and then i remember at a point oh text. Uh, and uh i remember at one point not it was becoming to be too much like i had felt at that point 
I remember this massive achievement in my life, like things I could not like could believe that I could have, you know what I mean? And just the material stuff alone. But, um, and my wife was a bit of a workaholic at that time. And so we had a multi, we had a couple companies and she, it was, let's go, go, go. And then she wanted to build some houses like, um, and I was like, not wanting that. I had a company, I had employees. I was like kind of at my top, my, my, you know what I mean? I just couldn't do anymore. And, uh, so we ended up ahead and going and doing that and building houses. And during that time is when I was introduced to cocaine mm -hmm. and cocaine was an amazing tool because I could, it just gave me energy. It was go, 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 go. And I think it was about a few months had passed where it was taking a toll on my body. It was taking a toll on my, on my mind, I guess. Like I just felt guilty. I had kids. I had a wife and there was no relationship with really none of them. It was just all work. And I ended up telling my wife that I was using drugs. And at that point she kicked me out of the house, which I guess uh, I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure if I still know if that's fair or not. I mean, I feel like I was reaching out for help, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I started to feel, I guess, abandoned or, you know, and alone. And, I, and then I was like in, I was, I continued to work during the day. And then I started going casino at night because it was open all night. <laughs> it was a place to be. <laughs> and so this carried on for a long time until I exhausted all my money because cocaine's an expensive habit. Yeah. I uh, was, you know, my work, my company was falling apart and I ended up going through another treatment center at this time uh, serenity ranch i believe okay um and so i went there cleaned up got my wife back got my family back got all the things back again and at this time i had completely dissolved that other company yeah and so i'm starting in this one fresh again and it wasn't too long before i had another company and an abundance of stuff again so mm -hmm. I don't find it. I look back and you talk, one of the programs I go to has the promises, you know, it says, you know, we get things quickly sometimes and sometimes we get things slowly. And I would, I had an, a sponsor at one point told me one of my problems was I get things back too quick. Mm -hmm. So, and that was a pattern for a lot of the time, a lot of the years, lose it all, get it all back, but very quickly. And so there wasn't really a lot of consequences mm -hmm. looking back, you know? Um, so, and, and this was, went on for that 10 years, I guess. Uh, I, there was, there was some normality in that for me too. So I really struggled with that because for me, it wasn't the way I grew up and the way I just really had this negative feeling on how I grew up, it was wrong and I'm not that way now. And I'm so far away from where I was. And so I'd still take my family on trips. You know what I mean? There was obvious dysfunction there, but I, I just, I really, I think just the idea that I, I wasn't where I was, you know? And, um, so that again, like I said, I just kept going on for a while. And again, one of the, when I started getting back into the cocaine, this would have been in 2012 ish. I was doing drugs. I was doing the work thing. And then again, I started feeling this enormous amount of guilt because it just was that. Okay. I, it, I knew that wasn't normal. I can't be doing this. It wasn't going to sustain. And I remember needing, wanting help, scared to ask for help because of my prior experiences, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I went ahead and I did it anyways. And I got kicked out again. So every time this would happen, I guess I just felt this abandonment. And I'm not sure. Maybe that was with my, my dad as being younger or a child, but it, it was painful. Like yeah. those feelings would hurt more than being punched in the face from yeah. than getting the shit kicked out of me. Cause I, and I've had the shit kicked out of me, mm. you know what I mean? Like, but that, that those feelings hurt. And the only way those feelings would go is when I would use drugs. So every time I felt those enormous amounts of, of, uh, 
abandonment, loneliness, uh, my children too, like my children, because I, I, I love my kids so much yeah. and to not be a part of their lives and wanting to be in this, this tear inside of me of being ripped apart from them. The only way that feeling, those feelings w- would go was with drugs. Mm-hmm. And it just even, so when I'm on the drugs and even coming down, you start feeling those feelings. So when I did drugs, it's like, I won't stop. It's, I won't sleep for days until I'm, I'm passing out. Yeah. You know, until my body's telling me that's enough and I'm knocked out and then I wake up and then that's what I'm doing again. Yeah. And this can go on for a long period of time. And usually it's typically till I end up in jail or something. Yeah. And this time was, I'm pretty sure, like this time was, it was different. Like I, there was no contact with my wife. I was selling drugs to support my habit. And I, and I distanced myself because of the environment I was in, because I've never been so deep into that world that it was, it's scary. And I was scared for my, my family too. Like I just, cause I, I know what it's like. I've seen people kick in doors. I've seen people being thrown in trunks, some really scary stuff. And, and that was the reality of that world I lived in. And so I just, I just cut that attachment from my kids, from my, so nobody even know who, who I was this, I was just this other person mm-hmm. in that world. And it, and it was like that for, for about a year. And, uh, and then it just got desperate. It's, it's even from selling drugs because I was doing more drugs than, than I could sell. And then it started like it was going into the robbing and stealing. And so what happened was I, my little sister has always been a big part of my life, you know, and she hadn't always, she's always had addictions issues and stuff. And she, during that time period, she had started prostituting herself. And I had this idea that, well, you don't really have to, we can just take their money. So we started, we started, I started robbing johns you know what i mean and partly i didn't want my sister doing that stuff and then i had like this complete hate for these scumbags anyways especially like towards any woman like i i got a lot of respect for my mom my sister and i think that's something i've always had about myself is a respect for women Mm -hmm. you know and so anyway so i started robbing johns and and then it just got to the point of serious, like we're, we're kidnapping them, asking for ransoms. Mm-hmm. And then it just got out of hand and we had a police scanner. Cause we always had police scanners <laughs> in those days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I knew they knew who I was. I heard my name on the scanners mm-hmm. and it's not, it wasn't my first time. The cops knew who I was prior. There was a lot of investigating going on for things. And I ended up booking it for BC. And I had my co-accused with me at the time and he was wanted at that time for a murder. And we ended up getting arrested in Kamloops. And that's where things started to change because it was scary. Um, I remember the police came down. Actually, the Calgary homicide unit came down and picked us up, flew us back. And I spent... A few months in prison and it's funny because it, it, it's well it's not funny but it kind of when i look at that time in my life it reminded me when i was 17 and throwing the bomb in the house mm-hmm. and not seeing at that time the big deal of it but sitting in jail and i had a, probably around 64 charges gun charges kidnapping robberies extortions mm-hmm. and i didn't really get the full grasp of it till my, i had my mind started detoxing in jail mm-hmm. and i'm realizing like that some of these charges are four years a piece minimum. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, this isn't good. And so a few months later, I ended up getting bail and, uh, I gave it a try. Um, I think I was out for five weeks and the first two weeks of it, I, I did stay sober, but I just, I got pulled in. Um, it was tough. I had no money, no work. I was going to lots of meetings and stuff, but I just, I don't know. I, I, ended up getting sucked back in and three weeks later I was, I was back in jail yeah got arrested with some heroin and in a stolen car and and that's where and that's where it changed for me yeah that's where it changed i sat in remand for months and i had a lawyer 
And I remember asking how much time I was looking at it. And he said, well, he said, I remember this. My lawyer told me you can, all the evidence, a lot of the evidence is circumstantial. So we wore masks and stuff. And he said, so there's a good possibility I can get you off. And I remember thinking, well, that's a, not bad. And, but the trial dates were like a year down the road. And I'm like, I'm in this place and I've never felt, it brought me back to juvie. And, and I, nothing worse than sitting locked up in a room, just this, the powerlessness of that. And, and, I, and, and where my life was at, like, what, you know, cause when I have, when I'm sober minded, the clarity of my children and everything else and where I'm at in life, where I'm at in those moments, it was like, okay, well, I don't want to be in here for a year. I was scared to go into the pen. Mm-hmm. I called my, I remember calling my lawyer and asking him, well, what happens if I just plead guilty right now? Like I just, what what happens? And he, so he, he told me to call him back the next day. I called him back the next day and he said, the crown said, we'll give you five years. And I didn't care as much <clears throat> anymore for getting off of them because I, I knew I did it for one, yeah. you know? And I was just like, I told my lawyer, I just remember saying, okay, let's do it. Let's just do it. I was, I was scared of the pen in remand. There's so it's, they call it gladiator school because it's so much worse than the pen really. But mm-hmm. it's funny because there's so many people that are scared to go to the pen. Cause you, you think that's just like the big house where all the, you know, the scary murderers are and stuff. And, and it was, it, I was scared to death, but I was done. I was like, so done. And I just wanted it to, I just wanted to start from here. Cause I remember thinking, okay, so you know, in, in four or five years, it'll be done. It'll be all done. And I could start that right now, you know? And that's what happened. I remember I just pled guilty. I think it took a month for it to go to court for uh, sentencing. And it began. And then I spent the next two years after that in uh, the pen. And... That was life-changing too, just that alone, that experience, which I'm grateful for now looking back. But I mean, the powerlessness of it, powerlessness of it, having just to, to, this is your, your, your home. You know what I mean? This, yeah. this little world and people in there were scary, but they were used to that. Like that's just their, their lives. And it wasn't me. It wasn't what I wanted for my life. I stayed sober. I, uh, I helped with, uh, different, different programs that were available mm-hmm. in there, uh, I, t- I would take part in uh, any Aboriginal sweats a lot. I was yeah. a Scapio, which is an elders helper. Had that job for a year, um, so I, re- I, I did as much positiveness in there as I could, and I ended up getting day parole two years in, and that's right when I went to Fresh Start. So, in Fresh Start for me was another good place. I mean, it, I, met, I met some good people there. But I already know I, I I struggled there a little bit going in there with because I I've been through the program and treatment so many times so I guess I, I it's funny because I still had a bit of an arrogant attitude mm-hmm. so I guess something I started learning shortly after my release and and in sobriety even being like so being sober is completely different than than having recovery because I was two three years sober and my attitude and and. And stuff had had actually had me sent back to prison for a month. Mm-hmm. So I got sent back to Drumheller for a month. And I was like, I remember again, that was another form of surrender for me. Because I remember the first time in jail, sitting in my blues and, okay, God, I'm done. I had enough. That was like my surrender. I, have, I haven't had an obsession to use or drink since, since mm-hmm. then. And then going back again, I feel, it was funny. That's the way God worked in my life. And I was like, I just remember being like, okay, God, haha. <laughs> it's <laughs> I get it. I got to change now. Yeah. You know, it's more than just not drinking and using. Yeah. And then I find I kind of finally got it and and then the whole idea of changing everything, you know. Um so from a trade that I've done from most of my life doing con- concrete work, mm-hmm. that was just something I didn't want to get back into. I'm like, "Hey, I got it. I didn't which was a tough call for me because I was didn't want to do that. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like I, I make good money doing it, yeah. but you know, and, and you're obviously good at it, right? Cause you've done it a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And it, part of me liked it too, you know, parts of me. Well, and, uh, I mean, so anyways, I tried getting into the, into the like social work field, mm-hmm. which is actually a, a part of the story I missed earlier. Cause I, I used to work, 
for uh, Aboriginal uh, a social work company called uh, Heritage Family Services in Red Deer. And I worked there for five years. And I had my ups and downs in there. This was before drugs really ever gone, taken over. So that's what I mean. I was a f- kind of a functioning alcoholic. And I, I worked there as I was running a company. And it was, and I loved it. I, I That's one thing I wanted to do was always kind of help people and yeah. stuff. So I, I was there for five years. And, and I remember it was funny. I had to quit that job because I was getting burnt out from doing that and running my company. Yeah. But at the, at the time of my life, it was like the logical choice was to go where money was, you know? And for sure. Because I had a family and whatnot. But um, I remember that. Like that was just the, the feelings of working with those youth and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had two experiences outside. Uh, I, I, I would bring kids home uh, on Christmas for instance, mm-hmm. like that had nowhere to go. Right. So on Christmas I would, yeah. I would take some kids to my house and stuff. And I had two experiences from the kids I worked with at heritage family services after, after all this has happened. I I've seen one of those guys in jail, one of those, one of those youth. And I remember that feeling I felt of just disgusting. Yeah. Like here, I used to work with for the, like with this kid, take him out as a big brother. And yeah. now I'm sitting in jail with him, you know? And, uh, Geez, that's an eye opener, right? Yeah, it was it was pretty disgusting. <laughs> and then, and then I was encouraging him in those times, like mm-hmm. to come to meetings and stuff. And I'm not, I, I'm not sure how that went. But then, uh, about a year or two ago, I bumped into another kid at a at a, a pet store, and he was doing really well. Nice. So it was it was kind of a bittersweet thing in both cases. But mm-hmm. someone see me doing well, and someone not seeing me well, you know, and and then I guess that's just that's life though. Hey, which direction you choose to go? Um. So yeah. So, anyways, since that I was trying to get into the social work field and it it wasn't working out, I got a job at Keys. Keys to recovery. Keys to recovery. Okay. And a few short months later, I got uh, laid off. I guess because they didn't they were running out of funding as as we know they yeah, closed they lost down funding last year. <laughs> So, which was gar- a little, it, it, I remember it, it hurt because that's kind of where I'm like, was wanting to go mm-hmm. in that direction. And, uh, I think it was like a week, like I got laid off on the Friday. I think I went to a meeting the next day and I seen somebody that I've known for years through ARC and I asked them if they, if they would have any work at their mechanic shop mm-hmm. and she I was texting her during the meeting. Of course. <laughs> and she... That's what every respectable <laughs> citizen does. We text during meetings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so within that meeting, I asked her that question. She's like, well, let me ask. And then she texted me back and said, you could start Monday at nine o'clock. Right on. And I've been there ever since. And I mean, it's something that I've... I've fallen in love with. I mean, I'm I'm just love, so happy with my life. I've, I go to work every day to a job that I love. That where time just flies by, mm-hmm. you know. What I mean, I never thought I would enjoy it as much as I do, and but I mean, and I've, I'm learning something new, something different. You know, it's another way I can help my kids down the road. I see when they're, you know, got their own little cars and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's become a hobby of mine. Uh, I've never experienced that in my life where going to work wasn't like work. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's been just a huge part of my just my recovery because it's I've just got this crazy structure in my life where. It's just never been like this, like where there's balance mm-hmm. of hours and home. And it got actually, there was a point where I was a few months into it where I had to reach out to somebody and tell them that I was feeling kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, what's going on? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing's going on. Yeah. And that's a weird feeling, isn't it? It was. Yeah. It was a very weird, it was you know, I didn't understand it at all. Yeah. He's like, this is not, you know, and so I was like. There's no chaos. No <laughs> one's trying to kill you. Like, no one's, yeah, it's weird. Now. Yeah, totally, totally. It was, yeah, unbelievable. And, I mean, I was one of the, because I've been sober six years now. And, I mean, th- that Congrats. was. Thank you. That yeah, is, I guess it's. It is. It's something, <laughs> dude. It's something. Remember all those times you couldn't get sober? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. That's how hard it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, it's not a joke, man. I mean it. Like, I, I mean. I know that time isn't everything, but it is something. Yeah, yeah. Right? For sure. I'd like yeah. to think I have a good 50-50 of just sobriety and recovery because it took me a while to yeah. to make that change of, 
you know what I mean? I actually practice um, those like spiritual principles in my life. And you know yeah. what I mean? That good change. Yeah. But I forgot what we were just talking about. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think we were, what we're talking about, man. Uh, well, you're just at the end of like, um, you, you got the job and you've reached out to somebody. Oh, yeah. 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 I was just talking about different phases of my recovery. Like mm-hmm. uh, weird ones. Like, I mean, stuff that's, that's completely new to me. Like, uh, like the, the fucked up feeling of, of not uh, understanding why my life's not chaotic, yeah. or to grieving of mm. of uh, my friends in recovery, the ones that go back, yeah. because that's that was a tough one. The longer I stayed sober, I had a lot of friends going out back mm. and dying, yeah. and you know, so going through that and and like I don't know, I'm, I and I really struggle with this one right now, but and I don't want to sound arrogant or harsh by saying we're outgrowing people. Because I just want so much more in my life that I've had to take step, like take steps back from people, and and I think people sometimes don't understand that why. But I mean, I I've got children, and I I just want this this life that I can't I can't, you know what I mean? Thread on that 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 line anymore of yeah. you know what I mean? All on the fence. It's like all in or all out because yeah. I can't I can't I know I can't sit there and. That stuff's dangerous and it's scary for me, you know? It's risky for us too, right? Walking walking two lives at the same time is very risky in sobriety. Very few people stay when they get caught up in it, right? Like, because you know how thin that line is, man. That line between like drinking and not drinking is like paper, like millimeters thin, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's, it's, you don't even see it when it happens. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I've, and my life has been the addictions, where I can go, it scares the shit out of me. Like jail doesn't scare me Has jail does, like has, has the people there, the environment. It scares me is like the waste of life, the Mm -hmm. time, the the time away from my children, away from, because I'm coming to realize one thing, life's pretty short. Yeah. You know, like we went to a funeral again last week and it's like, it's just, there's no tomorrow was, no tomorrow was promised. And I mean... You know, it's, it's, um, yeah. Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. Like in just from a, as a observer, like I'm pretty happy with like watching people do well. Right. Like it makes me smile. Like in my heart, it makes me smile. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds really weird, but it's it's true. Yeah. (laughs) I get a weird feeling when I watch people succeed. Right. Like it's a weird, wonderful feeling. And one of the things I've seen just as an observer, right. Like of, of watching you and, encountering you briefly over time and then getting invited to your wedding to take pictures and stuff like that. But what I, what I noticed, man, is that like, despite anything that's going on, you you support your family always. There's never a doubt. Like, I don't know if anyone could doubt that. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that to, to your wife as well when she was here was that between the two of you guys, like if there's a better model for, um, people who don't know that this shit works, I don't know what the better model would be mm-hmm. to show them like the hardworking guy that goes to work and loves his job. Like I, I, I know I'm seeing this from the outside from watching it on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. So I, I understand that don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make it out like you guys are perfect mm-hmm. or anything. Cause first of all, that's not fair of me to say that because mm-hmm. no one's perfect. Right. That would be like saying you have to be perfect all the time. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. It's not what I'm saying. What I mean is, you you get all kinds of people. So when you say you outgrow people, to me that is not like a an arrogant thing. It's a outgrowing the position you were in, where those people were able to be with you, right? Mm-hmm. Like really, what it is is it's a different position, and not everyone's going to go there. It's just the way it is, mm-hmm. right? There's and for whatever reason, right? Like the but I don't know. I'm encouraged by. Uh, the fact that, first of all, I'm not afraid to get your hands dirty, right? Like, and getting getting our hands dirty is what's important for other people to see, right? That this stuff works. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you, something had to buy, you had to buy into it, right? Even at the desperate, most desperate time. Because I'm sure there was, I don't know about yourself, but in, like, in my past, there were lots of moments where I could have quit that were big enough. They mm-hmm. were big enough to tell me I should have quit, right? But I didn't. Not until it was overly big that I quit, mm-hmm. right? But being able to get through those other things and 
keep pushing forward. Again, recovery. You're yeah. About, like the recovery. big things in recovery. Yeah. 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 I, I get it. Cause I mean, too, I, I went through some big hits in life. Like my, some of the bigger ones, like I lost my mom, mm. my little sister died of an overdose. Oh, Jesus, my God. dad died of a, of a brain aneurysm from, from being on drugs and falling downstairs. So, and I, this was all in like a matter of a couple of years. Oh, Jesus. So it was, and this was while I was in prison. So it yeah. was hit, hit, hit. And I remember probably the one of the, the more painfulest was when my little, it was my little sister. Oh. I remember that day, one of the worst days of my life. I remember the guard telling me, I remember the feeling inside. But one thing else I remember is I remember hating drugs. Mm. I remember that. I remember not yeah. wanting to use. I remember having this like deeper hate for drugs. Yeah. I couldn't understand like, why would I want to go use something that just, just like killed my yeah. favorite person in the world? You know what I mean? So getting through those challenges and in like the loneliest place in the world to yeah. do it, you know? So what did you do in there, man, to do it? Like, how did you cope with it? Elders. Yeah. Sweating. Okay. Cause the sweat, a sweat lodge was a good place to yeah. let tears go in a, where no one can see and you know what I mean? And just, yeah. just that withdraw. I just took advantage of something that was there. And I was familiar with the, the cultural aspect from, cause I'm Métis and, and it was weird cause I, I really struggled with that stuff growing mm -hmm. up too. Cause my dad, like was from my dad's side, but he was never around. So I always knew I was, but I always didn't say I was, you know what I mean? But I, I, so I just took it, took what I could, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And it was just the way God had it planned in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's what, worked and i but i still do i mean <clears throat> it doesn't make it like easy some days today still too yeah. right there's still moments of, of grieving like it's a well, I grieving think process be, i think in that situation you'd be grieving forever right yeah yeah like to some extent yeah and especially because you you do strike me as a person who just loves his family like mm -hmm. period right good bad or indifferent right and yeah. um geez man that's that's incredible so fuck how you made it was reaching out just like we're taught outside of prison to do right like yeah. um but what a dark place that would have been mm -hmm. to have to reach out thank god they have stuff like sweats and stuff there yeah yeah were you able to do it regularly oh yeah weekly yeah weekly for sure wow, that's awesome it was i mean you just it wasn't like it was what i could get and i mean yeah. when you're for the very little you get when you get something in there it's a pretty big deal in there you of know course. what i mean because you're just you start getting institutionalized as well right yeah. like this little world is your world and things just you get used to it and but yeah no it was it was it was a tough go for sure man every time someone tells me that they just get used to prison i always get really uncomfortable because i'm like i don't know if i'd ever be able to get used to that like just having no choice mm. right like but I guess you have to focus on the choices you do have then. Is that kind of how you made it? You know what? I think how I made it is I knew I had a release date because there's a lot oh, of people yeah. in there that don't. And you know what? You said something earlier that you said, uh, you said, it, it joys my heart when you see somebody doing well. Mm -hmm. And since I've been released, I've seen a handful of, of uh, lifers mm -hmm. out on the street. Mm -hmm. And when I see that, that makes my heart joy because I've seen yeah. people that are following a better path and, and they've made mistakes in their lives that can easily be you or me. Yeah. There's, I could be in there for murder too easily for, you know what I mean? It, like, yeah, it just, and I so do. when I see these guys out there, <clears throat> it gives me that joy, but being in there that I'm not going to complain about five years of jail when there's guys in there without even release dates. Yeah. You know what I mean? How do they, how do they, get to how do they get no release date i don't understand how that works well you get that's well, a life sentence so you get there's do's a designated or a, a dangerous offender so they have no release date at all oh so they have there is a completely they have to go through multiple levels they to ever system, get out basically yeah and so in a lifer when you get sentenced life sentence in canada you get uh a life sentence with 10, ten years till you're eligible for parole or seven years or 20 years. Yeah. So once you hit that mark, then you're, and you've been doing, they've been going through everything they can be, then they can go see a parole board. Yeah. And then whether or not they allow them to go out, usually it'll be a day halfway house for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then to 
the real world, but they have a toe tag. They call it a toe tag, which means they're on parole for the rest of their life. Oh, I got you. So okay. they'll they can get sent back like yeah. that. Yeah, and it would be different, right? I could see them having different layers for different types of offenses, right? And mm-hmm. especially if it's a continuous offense type thing, yeah. um, like the dangerous offenders or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking man. I'm fascinated by that. Like honestly, I don't. I, I every time someone comes out of prison and they they tell they try to, I try to ask them about it because I'm like I just I don't understand why every prison isn't just burning to the ground when you put people in that scenario together I don't understand why they're standing how they still stand because I've been in rooms with people that are like supposedly respectable and when they get like fucking butthurt about something they just want to like burn everything down I can't imagine when you actually have to defend yourself <laughs> <laughs> like how 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 that works right like that's fascinating to me mm-hmm. and when people come through it right like my dad was in prison as well and like when they come through it and just start doing different mm-hmm. you know like so there was a catalyst for you do you remember like was it one catalyst or a bunch of catalysts you mean like uh what do you mean catalyst? That keep you moving forward now that you're sober. Like from the time you like from the time you sobered up until now, were there was there more than one or a continuation of catalyst? Like obviously your family's a catalyst for you. My children. For your sure. children, yeah. For sure. For sure. Big probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad wasn't there. I've always, and that's the thing. The craziest thing is is I've always wanted to be there. And that was probably one of my biggest pains is is like not when they were taken away from me it's like that's not what i wanted you know what i mean so yeah. but going there was and not seeing them for yeah that long. i didn't see them for almost two years and i mean it was it was painful it was my 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 determination you know what i mean like a lot of people in there you go to jail it's like a little i'm not kidding when it's a world of its own there's fucking stores people run stores out of their cells it's a completely little society mm-hmm. that you just you know what I mean? There's jail rules and then there's like inmate rules, yeah. you know? And, uh, but that, that was going there for one and realizing how dangerous mm-hmm. this could be. Like I could be in here for the rest of my life, you know, the way the world I was going down, yeah. I could be dead. And, and then my children, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think, and then, and ever since then, like my whole prison experience has been, the biggest gift of my life because when, uh, when we talk about powerlessness like yeah. that's it that was it for me and Oof. i mean i can have i i honestly and, I, and this is why i'm so grateful because i i honestly have such a hard time having a bad day mm-hmm. i could have a vehicle breakdown i could lose my job at keys i can and i'm just i'm just like wow like i'm not sitting in jail yeah. you know what i mean like i have the freedom to go outside mm-hmm. like what a gift you don't even realize how big of a gift that is until it's taken away. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing, man. Like, as you're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, how would I feel? Oh, well, I'd be pretty fucked up because I've been able to do that. Right. <clears throat> if I want to go outside. I go outside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I can't, even that little tiny thing is not a little thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is dude, is there anything else? At what time are we at? We're 40. 43 minutes okay um so you got lots of time anything you want to talk about man mm-hmm. any questions you got I, well you know what like i yeah maybe i don't i don't know what it would be like i can't imagine when you said you lot when your sister passed from an overdose like i just always think of my little brother when someone says little i have two brothers one older one younger i can't imagine man like mm-hmm. I, I just can't imagine how hard that is like to not have your your sister there surreal i mean it's it's um i got two older sisters as well but they Mm -hmm. were already out of the house and i mean one i'm i'm not in contact with because she's not not a good person for me to be around and Mm -hmm. one i've actually gotten a lot closer with marianne throughout the last since i've been out of jail Mm -hmm. that relationship's just come together because she's experienced the same feelings i have with the same loss right with the parents and the sister and but I mean, when we talk about Anna, that one was the sibling feeling like by the time, honestly, by the time they told me my dad had died, actually I knew it when they called me and told me, I was like, I remember leaving the unit because I was supposed to call 
I don't even remember my sister. And I was like, my dad's dead. I knew it. Mm-hmm. And that's what they said. And it wasn't like has impacting. Yeah. Like, cause what your little sister, your, your siblings, you go through your life's challenges. you you know, your secrets, you're, mm-hmm. you're more closer than anyone else on this planet really, because you're, you know, you, you, you just have this bond of, of pain, struggles, joys, mm-hmm. you know, Disneyland or whatever it is you, you did together, you know, and just that one was, that, that's hands down. I don't, the worst pain in, in my life yeah. that I have ever experienced. Yeah. It man. was. I'm, Jesus. I'm sorry to have you relive that. I just, I can't, so, my head just can't wrap around it. Eh? Like it's, I think of when my younger brother was a teenager, he was in high school and I was here visiting from California. I was just in the process of joining the army down in the States and he was getting bullied by some guys from this high school and there was probably 25 of them. And like his buddy ran and found me and I came running over there and he goes, yeah, but there's like 25. And I'm like, that's my fucking brother. Right. Like it's one of those things where mm-hmm. I went in there and I almost got stabbed and it was a fucking nightmare. Right. But it's, that's your brother. That's your sister. Yeah. That's, that's your family. Right. Like when, no matter what it is, like I, I just, I just remember how scared he was. Right. And that what he needed was that, that brother. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I think it's what we all need, right? When we have it, when, when especially when we have that connection, yeah, that I can yeah. sense between you and your younger sister, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that connection of, I love my older brother to death. Like, I love him, obviously, but he was gone by the time we were older, mm-hmm. so never really got to know him until later, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's really what it was all about. But it's one of those things, man. Like, I can't imagine life. Yeah, I just can't imagine it, man. Yeah, it's still like I like I said, it's I still grieve it. I I see uh well, she had a daughter, Shyla, who I was I was pretty close with. Like mm-hmm. I was there since she was younger and she moved out to BC um when I was in jail. And I haven't seen her since. But I I, I still communicate with her mm-hmm. and I follow her on Instagram and whatnot. And when I see her, she looks just like her her mother. And mm-hmm. it's some days it brings joy. Some days it brings hurt, depending on the, the, the Instagram. Like she's young yeah. and she smokes weed and stuff now. So I, I, I there's a little worry there. I'm thinking like, you know, but then and then I find out she's graduating this year. Yeah. So, I mean, there's I'm just I'm happy for her. we stay in contact. And I mean, there's going to be that time where we both talk that we're going to be united and I'm going to be able to tell her her mother's stories. And so, yeah. I mean, I. I just, uh, yeah, I, that 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 keeps me keeps me going, I guess. Uh I got a tattoo on my hand. My little sister had a little butterfly. So I get laughed at sometimes putting a little butterfly on my hand. Oh, nice. And so I got that for her. Yeah. It says one life. And it's a constant reminder every day that that's, yeah. you know, that's all all we have. Yeah. You know, and I, I, when we went to Mexico, Carly and I, we went to uh, uh, this cave and we had to like propel down it. And I'm scared of heights, like feared, feared of heights. And we, I think of her. And I, I go ahead and do it, and then oh, good on you. Had to do a free jump in uh in in BC, like a, just a dead drop on a, a little blue mat. You ever, you had this harness and stuff on, but almost like a bungee jump, but it's yeah. it slow follows you. And I thought about her, and I when I'm up there, I'm shaking, and I so I think about her, and yeah, and that's what gives me the courage to, to take these steps and, yeah. and to enjoy, you know, have no regrets and stuff. Yeah, so. So like I mean that's pretty impressive, right? Yeah, yeah. Because she's never not with you, right? Yeah, she's she's just it's, yeah, it's surreal. But I, the surrealness of it to 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 know that you'd never in the beginning to know that you'll never see that person yeah. again is is definitely a hard one to swallow. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite story of her, man? That you want to tell us? Ooh, a favorite story? Oh yeah. Okay, I got one for you. Cool. <laughs> uh. I was young, like 12 or so. We had the old school phones, you know, those ones with like, it takes like half hour to make a phone call. Oh, yeah, the rotary phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember I was, I, was, <laughs> I was at home watching TV and my mom was at work or something. And I'm, I'm sitting there. At, I knew I was all by myself anyways. And all of a sudden I hear that. Dee, 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 and I realized the fucking phone's off the hook. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that was weird. I didn't even use it. So I went there put it you know i mean it was awful levels so i put it mm-hmm. back on went back watching tv and then i hear it again so 
thinking by I'm like thinking, oh, that's a little weird. I said, you know, I'm sure I just put it on. So this time mm-hmm. I put it on, triple checked everything. It's on. Okay, good. Yeah. Go sit downstairs. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I was out of that house so fast. <laughs> Did she keep taking she it off? She kept the taking hook? it off the hook. <laughs> she, she she tried chasing me down the stairs of the apartment and down the street, but I was like gone. You were she gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, dude, there's a fucking ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She was. That's awesome. She and then another one too. Thinking of that one, my mom wasn't home either, and um, I don't know what it was, but she had this thing and and she had the stapler and we were young you gotta think like this was we were like t- 10 12 you know even younger and mm-hmm. she's like look ej the stapler is not working and she was like putting it against her thumb so i went ahead and did it too and, I, it? and it stapled my thumb <laughs> <laughs> did she start laughing like immediately <laughs> yeah so man that does remind me of my younger brother because he's way smarter than i am dude he would have totally got me yeah so she's a little she was a jokester and That's she had awesome. a good sense of humor and she always loved to laugh yeah you know and she she knew i was always there. I, I think i struggled with her not with her not uh uh with me not being there for her when that happened i felt i carried a lot of guilt for that though i know i'm i know i'm not responsible for anybody else's is mm-hmm. destiny right but i mean I felt a little bit of guilt for not being there because yeah. she told me, said, EJ, I, I doesn't matter how fucked up I am. I would always be there for her. She'd, even if she was just call me for a sandwich, I would go and bring her a sandwich. Or there was yeah. times I would cab her because I lived in Innisfil. I'd cab her from Red Deer to Innisfil just to come and if she was hammered or whatever. Yeah. Right. So I was I was there for her and she knew that. And mm-hmm. I think she she. So I think she knows all that stuff. Yeah, and, I'm sure know. she does. man. So that's awesome. And I, there is one thing, I, and I don't feel like an asshole for forgetting about. But Carly, Carly has like been such a gift in my life too. Mm-hmm. Like she is. I met her. We've been married for two years. Has it been two years? Yeah, coming up here. Wow. Uh, oh, in June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I it's always coming up. Yeah, it's going to be here in, in a matter of no time. So and so I know we've been together a few years, and I mean, she, just uh, I mean, and she's. An amazing person too. She she makes me want to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's so genuine. She's just got mad speaking skills too. Like she can talk to, like talk to anybody, and she's always helping people. Like mm-hmm. and you know she's just the most unselfish people I know. And yeah. she's, I'm just grateful that she's been in my life. My kids love her. You know what I mean. And we we kill life together. Like we travel all the time. Like we just decided last week to go mm-hmm. to Mexico just yeah. on a whim. We're just like. Just go to Mexico at the end of the month. You know what I mean? We had to obviously find out if we could take the time off and take the steps to do it. But, you know, so we average, we go like three, four times a year. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's like our average, which is pretty good. I'm happy about that. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. But you work hard for it, though. Yeah. yeah. And so does she, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, she works super hard. Yeah. And you guys, like, you guys just started a new business, too. Yeah. What's the business called? Well, it's, 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 uh, it's a web destination right? lifestyles. It's like yeah. it's she's it's an online uh, company and it's Which is where all the money making companies are these days. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's it's the future, I guess, really. Hey, everything's online. And uh, to be honest, I was quite uh, I, I wasn't into it at first. I yeah. was just like I told her I was I, I was not not for it. I wasn't interested in it. I didn't like the idea of it, but she was pretty set on it. It was, it wasn't cheap for us to invest into mm-hmm. it. And I remember just, but I want to, I, I, I love her and I wanted to support her. And I said, okay, well, listen, and I had to tell myself this too. I'm thinking, okay, well, okay, I'm going to support her, but I don't want to, if it fails, I can't be angry that it fails. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I can't be, if I'm, if I'm going to be this way now, I have to follow through with it. That's so right. I told her, I said, okay, let's do it. If you want to do it, I trust you. I love you. I support you. And so it's, it's more her company. Like it's, it's kind of her baby. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's, she's been doing amazing at it. And I, and I, since she's been starting it, I could see a, a lot more into it. Like yeah. it's, she's been doing great. I like, it's been, it's allowed us to go on an extra trip this month. Yeah. And in fact, it's, it's more of a business trip just for her to promote her business. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. how it's working for her. Yeah. You know, so it's. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's, 
Yeah, it's great. I'm not complaining. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it's like a free trip to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, sometimes it's like you're like you said, when you support someone, you support them, mm-hmm. even for when they fail, if they fail, right? Yeah, like yeah. if it fails, not them personally, but if what's going on doesn't work out the way, it's right. There's no right to be mad at that point, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty like mature though. Because I still might blame them. <laughs> I still might feel like, oh, Heather, you're in trouble. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's the growth because I, I, I still thought I think about it. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I have to make the decision, though. Of what that's right. That's right. So. But being able to notice and make the decision and be like, oh, yeah, right. I can't be a jackass if it doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, for sure. I can't. Um, dude, I appreciate you coming in, man. And I, I think the world of both of you guys and, and your family, like I'd love seeing the pictures of your girls and stuff, man. You guys always look like you're having a good time together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hardworking people, man. I, I dig it. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Thanks for coming on, EJ. Yeah. It's yeah. a little late, but. Dude, yeah. <laughs> never, never too late, man. Yeah, yeah. It's never too late. It's funny how when, before we close, because I didn't do a really good intro. I really fucked up the intro. So you're going to have to go back and probably edit my bullshit out. But. <laughs> Like now I lost what I was going to say. This is, this is a common problem for me, EJs. Cause when I used to drink what was intro, it? intro. Um, yeah, I got nothing. I have absolutely no idea what I was going to say. Well, I got, you just reminded me of something. So I chaired the meeting today. Oh, okay. And I, and I, I, I was embarrassed because I, I go to this meeting every Saturday and I get up there and I don't remember anybody's name. Yeah. And I, and I'm like, hey, can I was thinking about it before they asked me to chair. I'm like, well, fuck, I don't remember anybody's name. And I come yeah. here every Saturday and it's the same people. So I, I'll hear their name and it rings a bell, but I'm like, can I get, you know what I mean? So I didn't want to be a jackass. And <laughs> so I get, yeah, I, my, I got a lot of holes in my brain too. Yeah, there's still. some holes in there, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. and it's funny you say that. Cause I, like a few years ago, a good friend of mine was chairing a meeting at the same place and she didn't know somebody's name and she made the mistake asking me. So she texts me from the chair's position. And yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. Dave, what's this guy's name over here on the, <laughs> on the wall? My response was like instantaneous. So she had absolutely no reason not to believe me. Uh, Billy Bob. No, no, no laughter, no LOL. I'm like, Billy Bob. I didn't even have to ask her who it was. I knew exactly who she was talking about. Obviously, it was Billy Bob. So, of course, she's like, after the person shares, finishes who's sharing, she's like, oh, can we hear from Billy Bob? And nobody looked. All you could hear is me laughing in the corner where I sit in the back corner there. I'm like, like that. And then everyone's like looking at me like, and I'm like, his name's not Billy Bob. Because <laughs> he wasn't looking right. He's just like... Yeah. I don't know who Billy Bob is. Is she talking to you? And I'm like, and so I couldn't stop laughing. So finally I let her off the hook. But yeah, oh, it's like cool. we all have those holes in the brain, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So always be careful who you ask who names are too, eh? Because there's always our friends, especially if you ask people that we know. Yeah. They're jokesters. Yeah. Right? Oh, oh, I get it. Whenever somebody asks me for another friend's phone number, I always send them the police's number. Yeah. I don't know. I just something I do, you know. I like so, it. You know yeah. And so a lot of people know it. Some people don't. <laughs> so then I'll get a text back saying you're an asshole. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what I want to start doing, I want to collect like um uh what's the what's the intelligence group here CSIS. CSIS. I want to get their phone number, like their desk number. I'm gonna start giving that shit out. <laughs> like the RCMP hotline. I'm gonna give it out. <laughs> And start doing that like on the phone list that we got. Yeah, I'm yeah. just kidding. I want to <laughs> Can you imagine the newcomers like they call this number and this guy like uh, sees us and they're like, "Fuck!" <laughs> just hang it up. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, right on. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate your time. No problem. Very much so. Thank you. We would like to remind you that the opinions shared are those of the individuals and not representative of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other affiliation we may share with organizations or individuals. Thank you, Wild Rose United Church, for your open-hearted giving to the community at large in a multitude of ways. You have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do each and every day. Thank you again, Darcy Robinson. As usual, your work is incredible. Thanks for donating it to us. I am not here without each of our board of directors, Trent Baker, Todd Deer, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morijo, Wayne Lurie, and John James. To all of the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to helping Freedom's Path become a society 
and now a charity. Thank you. Who is Freedom's Path? We work directly with individuals and families struggling and suffering from, with addiction of all types, mental illness, codependency, and a multitude of difficulties humans bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. If you are interested in attending our upcoming or future groups, being a guest on the podcast, or looking to make a donation or help in some other way, please contact us through our website, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca, or find us on Facebook at Freedoms Path Recovery Society. If you are close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up tomorrow, or maybe you won't have to. To anyone listening, imagine that your voice might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. What is it you would like to say? As for me, I'm David Lurie, and I wish you all the best, wherever you are. Be safe and try to have some fun, because our time here is quite limited after all.